All right, Browns fans, welcome to a special edition of This Believe Land is Your Land. Uh, I am today's host, Michael Krupka, and with me today I have my, uh, my co-host, John Colosimo, as well as a special guest, Mac Robinson. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I'm I've been a longtime listener for you guys, so I'm happy I was able to hop on this week. One nice. of the seven. One of the seven. <laughs> yeah, Excellent. one of the seven. I feel like I'm in Game of Thrones right now. I'm one of the one of the seven. Pray to the seven. <laughs> Yeah, awesome, I'm doing man. excellent too, Mike. I mean, what's not to love about being a Cleveland Browns fan right now, right? I mean, this is our high mod- high water mark, I would say, over the last excuse my cat um, the last several years. So, I mean, it's all uh, it's all roses right now. Man, you guys said it right. We are we are certainly coming off one of the most monumental uh, just transactions in in our franchise history and as Mac and I were talking before the show we're, we're sort of just still waiting around in our drunkenness of excitement and and just being overjoyed with with OBJ I mean we've got legendary stories uh, ravaging Twitter right now we've got you know kids in the street causing a stir the cops coming <laughs> people got, calling 911 right we've, you know, we've got some <laughs> crazy things happening and it's just really the start for for this Browns franchise and it seems like every week we come on the podcast and there's just more and more reason to get excited and, uh, you know, the, the main reason, I guess, the, the main uh, source of all that has really been uh, this free agent class uh, as well as Baker Mayfield. So, you know, from the top, let's, let's kind of get some reactions from you guys. Uh, we'll start with you, Mac. I mean, free agent signings. Obviously, OBJ, let's start there. H- how you feeling? What are you thinking? Talk to us. Well, I'll kind of take you through how I found out, and that kind of can go from there. But I remember I so I was uh, up at my my other job. We were sitting um, in our in our studio basically, and we we're sitting down. And we had been talking earlier, and the one guy had put up a meme about all the fake Odell Beckham rumors. And so we were sitting there, we were talking, we were laughing, and I'm sitting looking at TweetDeck going through my my uh, laptop. And all of a sudden, I see the Mike Garofolo tweet, and I, 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 like, I just stop. I stop what I'm saying. I look, and I'm like, I'm triple clicking on Mike Garofolo's page, and I'm like, oh my god, there, there's a verified check mark. This, this is legit. This is legit. And I, I had to put it in this same kind of light, but at the same time, once the once the Cavs won the championship, I was in this kind of freeze, and I just remember just shaking. And the second that I saw that the Browns got Odell Beckham, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, I was just shaking. I'm like, oh my God, this is happening. This is happening now. Right. And I remember just running around, basically losing my mind that we actually got him. And it was one of those ones where telling people and they were like, are you serious? I, what? And just, and that was a cherry on top. Like it was, you, I was perfectly fine with Sheldon Richardson. I thought that was a great signing. Absolutely. Olivier Vernon opposite of Miles Garrett. That's phenomenal. Our defensive line is one of the best in the NFL. And then you add Odell freaking Beckham Jr., like it was insane to me, and so I, I was over the moon. And I, I'm like what like what uh, Mike said. I'm I'm still pretty much uh, drunk on Odell right now. So, John, tell us about your your experience uh, just yesterday, um, or are we? Yeah, just two days ago already. Now, what what, <laughs> what what happened? What happened for you? You know, I guess like there's a certain part of me. I, I was in this weird kind of numb state of it felt like there was just too much smoke for this not to go down. And yet it was still so unreal to imagine it happening. Um, You know, and I was wondering about the compensation. I was wondering if it was going to be, you know, two ones or whatever the case may be. 
Hey, let me just say this. I, I was a little too worried about compensation, I think, in the end, because once it went through, uh, even though we got a great deal on it, even though I like Peppers more than most, um, I think that's a very good player they got. Ultimately, as it sunk in on what it really means to have Odell on this team, I feel silly worrying so much about what the compensation might be if it went through. So I think it's just, you know, I've been watching more and more videos just of, you know, the, not the circus catches, but just his, you know, his general technical uh, efficiency as a wide receiver. And I'm just like imagining what this really means for this team and uh, realizing that I was an idiot for really wondering at all about what the compensation might be versus just, can you get them? Then do it. You know what? I'm glad you said that, John. I'm really, I really am. Um, Cause it wasn't long ago on this very show that, that we did a, a percentage breakdown and you gave it a 0% chance. <laughs> would be Cleveland Brown. 0% chance. You and, you and John both, or sorry, you, you and Josh both were such Debbie Downers and I was the only one. <laughs> gave him a glimmer i went i went with 70 percent and uh i just i I just i just want to point that out you know um just for all all seven of our listeners take your bow take your bow you deserve it um well you guys didn't ask but i had to pull my freaking truck over on the side of the road because i was i was driving and um I hope my insurance company isn't listening, but I was, uh, I was looking at twitter while i was driving and i was freaking way and I, i literally just looked around and I pulled over and I was like, I got like goosebumps and I was like, no, like not as emotional as the, the, the dudes on Twitter that you're seeing, but definitely I, w- I had like several like screaming moments of like, holy shit, this is real. We have, you know, probably the, the one of the best top three wide receivers in the NFL is paired with Baker Mayfield. Like this is a dream. Uh, it was, it was phenomenal. And so, you know, that, that fun is just beginning, and that's the craziest part of all this, right, is, is we're just at the, uh, the beginning of this ride. So buckle up. Don't worry about your uh, your cap space. The, the, the Dorse has this figured out, I think. And uh, <laughs> I think what, what, who, who tweeted that out? One of you guys can help me. But someone tweeted out pretty much like this first year of the contract um, for both Vernon and, and Beckham that the Giants are essentially paying like a, a lion's share of their salary while we're kind of making out and, and, you know, just this monumental way of the shift of what used to happen to the Browns is happening to other teams now. But do you guys cap know? Cap space wise, cap space cap wise, space. not cash, not cash. Right. You know, cap space so, yes. Oh yeah. The, you know, because they're, they're feeling the brunt of anything that they had spread out over the contract is getting pushed right out of their, um, on their uh, roster this year. So I think Odell alone is 21 million. Um, instead of the 17 in cash that he'll cost uh, the Browns. And uh, I think it's a similar thing with uh, Olivier. But, yeah, I'd say uh, the Giants. I mean, what can you say? Like, this is a team. Uh, and then they went out, they, they signed a guy for $40 million today. Like, what are they doing? I, don't, I mean, I don't understand. Like, they have no idea what the, where they are in this place and time in the NFL. And it's, it's almost sad to watch. But I'm glad that we got to benefit at the same time. I just, I, I don't want to be the guy that just slams dunk, you know, slam dunks on the Giants. We've we've been so bad for so long that I, I kind of want to take this with with uh, with a just uh, I don't know, just take this in stride a little bit. But what I do want to talk about is the full Dorse. I've heard Segura, <laughs> Segura just is hammering the full Dorse. I mean, they're showing up on set with 
you know, with their gear on, the full Doris gear. They're, they're just throwing out like all this legendary material these last couple of days about Dorsey and just the, you know, just the excitement that they have about it. And I know, John, you've been a big proponent of the full Dorse that we've, we're, we're coming to love <laughs> and understand, but more or less it's the, the, uh, the all-in mentality that, that you wanted the team to take that, that we're in right now with you know, these signings and, and these aggressive moves that we made. So talk to me about that. What are your feelings about the full doors? Do you love it? Do you not love it? Are there any caveats that you have? Well, I mean, I love it, first of all. I mean, it's a, something that uh, you know, I know that you and I and, and Josh were talking about way back, probably close to a year ago now, nine months maybe, something like that while I was in Vermont. It's you know that everybody talks about the benefits of having a quarterback on the rookie deal, right? And we also have a top-of-the-line pass rusher who we are benefiting from having on a rookie deal. And now we have Denzel Ward a top cornerback who we are benefiting. These are all like the prime dollar positions in the NFL that we have a benefit of paying well below market value for because of their rookie deals. However, you don't, uh, you're not, on. don't be, don't be a, don't be a wet towel. Come on. No, 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 no. This, <laughs> my point was that you're not leveraging any of that when you're 50, $60 million under the cap, you're just saving money. You know, the only way that you can leverage that type of advantage is if you are spending every bit of the cap. So that's what I wanted the team to do. Although like, it's hard to, to go that far from it. Like they, they couldn't just do it in free agency uh, per se. So I kind of foresaw, I did not foresee that you could get OBJ in this deal, but I, I foresaw that you might have to go into the trade market to fill whatever talent that you could get to, to get to this cap marker to where that you're actually leveraging those contracts so that you're getting an advantage on the rest of the NFL based on those things. So I'm thrilled that it seems like they understood that and they've done that. Um, I don't have a caveat per se, like we're going to love it for these next two years. I'll only just say that at the same time, once you do leverage this uh, the way that we have, the front office focus has to be, in full-on warrior mode uh, with the draft to be able to replace just about any other contract uh, besides Miles and Baker by the time 2021 rolls around. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I forget who I was having a discussion with. I think it was Brendan Leister the other day. Um, I kind of gleaned a little bit from that conversation where I'm, I'm taking this leap, but I think the Browns are, are done giving rookie starting jobs. And I think, you know, some of these, these moves in free agency are, are, are a sign of that. Yeah, it's a deep defensive line draft, but now you've got Sheldon Richardson, you've got Larry, you've got Miles, you've got Olivier. Now dudes can come in and actually develop behind them and be rotated in as they earn it. And I think that's the speaks to your point. You know, John, is that the full Doris has shown us he's not afraid to trade <laughs> assets to get the talent in place. And I think that's something that's, you know, really uh, not not undervalued, but it's just overlooked by a lot of casual fans. Just the, the way that he's gone about doing it and trading assets and, and not just acquiring them in free agency and not just relying on the draft. It's been a masterful mix of both sides of philosophy and, and football acquisition. And I think from from here, again, we really have the foundation to develop players and, and look at guys and um, not force them into a role, which I really love. So uh, with that, Matt, what, what are your thoughts about the full Doris and, and what you've seen? 
I mean, I, I love it, honestly. I mean, I've, I've been looking at this free agent class, and I know I've talked with Stephen Thomas about it countless times. Uh, I recorded with him a little bit earlier tonight, but the thing that was funny that I brought up with him was that I, I, I vividly remember sitting, at, sitting in the college library, sitting uh, trying to go through homework, but at the same time DMing him, thinking about you know who might be a good possibility maybe Odell Beckham maybe we can go after Odell <laughs> and now all all this time later it's like okay this actually happened and now you're starting to see the aggression that you need to see and not only that too I mean you, I even think back to last year seeing Michael Bennett get traded for a fifth round pick I'm like you're not going to see that kind of value there why aren't we getting in on these kinds of deals and this is a kind of mentality that you need to have to make those deals I think you're seeing that go with with full Dorsey so or the full Dorsey I'm sorry but um I mean I, I'm in love with this and I, I think that especially given the fact that in talking to some people as well uh, talking to some agents they had even said like look this this lockout is going to happen so the fact that Dorsey is looking at this as a two-year window basically I, I love this and the fact that the contracts are all structured pretty much to look if something happens with the cap or whatever happens after a lockout we can get out of these i that's, i, that's I a love good angle it's a good point it's a good point man yeah they I, I hadn't even thought about it in those terms uh you know I, honestly you, you you caught me off guard even thinking about that because it just hasn't been on my radar to be totally honest so uh but you're 100 percent correct there um one one other point that I wanted to make too is, uh, you know, and I've got an article coming out on uh, waiting for next year tomorrow about this is what's beautiful about these moves. You know, when we talk about the big three moves, which is Richardson, Olivier and Odell Beckham is um, not just that we got a good player. It's, it's kind of what it really does to this roster. And I think that what it does from a certain perspective, like the, take the defensive line, for instance, you know, it makes it so that uh, a team can't chip uh, or double any of our defensive linemen with impunity, you know, like they have in the past, you know, the Odell Beckham, you know, he makes it so that teams have way less tools available to them to address the rest of this, the weapons on this team. And, and ultimately I summarized it by saying, you know, that with these three single pickups here um, it really allows uh, the Browns more often than not to dictate to our opponent you know what the rules of engagement are in any given game like we really haven't had that opportunity to really impose our will and that's really kind of what these moves do like they're special moves it, they're, it's not just a grabbing a, a guy it's it's the synergy that these guys bring with the rest of what we have on this roster so I'm really excited to see that in action. Yeah, I think you you know you bring up a great point about what it's doing for our defense, specifically the front four, who we've heard a lot about. You know, Dorsey saying he wants to get longer, he wants four guys that can rush the passer, you know, on down the line. But what it does is, it, it, like you said, it it really forces the defense to pick and choose who they want to you know double team versus who else is going to be left one on one, and that's going to be deadly with the combination of guys we have. Even chips um, aren't free now, right? Yeah, even chips right. aren't free. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, we used to get them free over at Ignatius Mac with our lunch. I don't know <laughs> what happens. Anymore, they're not going to be free on the field uh, up here this fall, that's for sure. Uh, but what I'm excited about, and, and again, I'm not trying to do victory laps, but 
Sheldon Richardson was my number one defensive tackle in that, in that class. I, I was proposing that we take him, I think that year was at six or seven where we took him. Yeah. Um, he was, he was my guy that draft. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people had this later on, but very early in the season. And I want to say for me anyways, in like September, I had Odell as my number one receiver. So having both of those guys on this team and what they do for the respective sides of the ball is uh, it's, it's just really exciting. And again, on the defense, I can't wait to see what pieces we add in the draft. And uh, before that we've got free agency. So, you know, we saw a couple big names that have gone to other teams uh, in the division as well. There's been a lot of movement, a lot of exodus, but then we also saw recently Earl Thomas was, was added to the Ravens defense. Um, But in terms of, uh, additional free agents who are out there that, that we think that can help this roster. Mac, who are you, uh, who are you eyeing up and, and who do you have in mind? So th- there's been a few that I've been, uh, that I've been looking at. Uh, for one, if we're talking about linebacker, uh, Zach Brown uh, was just cut by the Redskins. Uh, he's somebody that I would like to add as one of those off-ball guys to kind of help out. And especially too, because uh, John Dorsey mentioned a little bit earlier today that, um, that, they want to have Jannard Avery kind of start to progress in that off-ball uh, linebacking role to kind of fill in for Collins. But at the same time, I like to have them bring in a veteran and kind of see if they can have him help out. Um, but also, I've been looking at, for more defensive line depth, Ronnie Gunter uh, from Arizona is somebody I would like to add because, I mean, look, you added Sheldon Richardson, but at the same time, I've been on the record saying here for – couple months now that if Larry Ogunjobi was the only defensive lineman that they brought back I would be happy with that but obviously they re-signed Carl Davis but at the same time you need more depth that you can go to and Rodney Gunter is somebody I would like to add from Arizona and then just uh, a few more um, Trey Boston and Eric Berry uh, safeties that I would like to add in Boston somebody who has that history with Steve Wilkes and Eric Berry has a history with uh, Dorsey obviously and then one underrated guy that I would like to bring in is just a veteran um, for a possible mentor to Denzel Ward and some of those guys is uh, Captain Munnerlin. Um he played a little bit with Wilkes in Carolina uh, near the end of his first stint and at the beginning of his second stint he kind of crossed paths with Wilkes there so he's somebody I would like to bring in as well interesting I like that list. There's, there's a couple of guys on there that, that, that I could definitely uh, see some interest in. I know the OBR guys were talking up Gunter a lot, some interest in some smoke around him. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see if that takes place. And, and you bring up another interesting um, scenario, John, before I go to you in terms of who you like for uh, free agency, still that's still out there. But we look at the, the decision that's upcoming for the Browns in the safety realm, right? Are we going to use – Demarius Randall as a free safety, or are we going to bring him down as a strong safety? I, I've, I've seen that debate just based on his uh, his sure tackling last year uh, specifically. I don't like that idea, but I've seen it discussed. And then I also think you've got to then you know decide, well, if that's the case, if you're going to keep Randall back at, uh, at free safety, how are you going to attack strong safety? And I just want to throw this out there, but a guy that came on my radar for the draft, we're getting kind of <clears throat> out of uh, sequence, but Darnell Savage from Maryland. Dude looks like a legit strong safety guy. Um, just just caught my eye the other day, first time watching him. Just going to throw that name out there, but we'll get into draft stuff later. Um, John, as I digress, bring us back to the topic at hand. Who, who else on the free agent market do you uh, do you have in mind for the Browns still? 
Well, you know, it's not that I don't love Barry. In fact, Barry was uh, probably one of my biggest draft crushes ever. I watched him a ton uh, at Tennessee. Um, I wanted him. Yeah. No, I mean, I like that. There's really very few people I wanted more. And the Browns were just out of grasp of getting him as he came out. Now, I know his uh, career hasn't panned out the way that his ability would have been had he been able to stay healthy. But this was a guy that uh, was a, a safety, was a strong safety who could have been an outside corner athletically. He was one of the more amazing guys I've ever watched. Um, I would love to have him in, but it would have to be so cheap. I just don't know that, you know, at this point that he would come in for that. So maybe if he wants a prove it deal for one year, something like that, um, you know, he'd be a dream to bring in if he's healthy right now, which I I think he did end the year healthy. So, uh, but you know, can you, can you, he can't be your plan A, you know what I mean? So we have, we have Kindred, so I guess you automatically have a plan B here in-house. Um, I'm not as high on Kindred as some other Browns fans. Um, I'd like to have a better plan A probably than Barry, uh, as much as I love him, you know, just from his ability standpoint, we got to have a guy that's available. So um, we'll see how they address that. And like you said, it's get a little ahead on Savage. Uh, I really like him as well, uh, but I'm so kind of focused at this point, like on either a tackle or a cornerback at that second round pick that it's hard for me to give that up to a safety. But Well, let's tackle that and, and arm wrestle and fight each other about that in, <laughs> in a few minutes. Um, all right. So where do we go from here, guys? You guys want to talk about draft stuff? Are you guys ready? Sure. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. So little do our seven or six or five listeners know, um, <laughs> John and I did a bunch of homework on some some combine standouts that made us go back and watch the tape. And so we've got a, a little bit of prepackaged analysis and information ready for you here. And obviously we've got uh, the expert uh, expertise, I should say, of Mac Robinson. Uh, and he's going to be giving some of uh, his insights as well. And so let's maybe start with our, our special featured guest, Mr. <laughs> Robinson. Um, when we talk about the draft upcoming, yes, again, we, we've decided that we want to talk about defensive line here. And we've removed the 17th pick. And who knows? The, the full doors may reignite. <laughs> he may get us back into the first round. We don't know. That's what the excitement about, uh, about being in full doors mode is. So – just taking into account, as of right now, as of today, uh, Pi Day, March 14th, we do not have the 17th pick. Talk to me about some of the defensive linemen uh, you know, that may be a target for us and the other picks that we do have that are on your radar. Well, for me, I've been keeping an eye on um... – Obviously, I know you're a big fan of him, but uh, Don't Colin do it. Saunders. Oh. Colin Saunders. <laughs> okay. okay. That's 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 one of my guys. I, I love that guy, and awesome. especially getting to Beautiful. see him in the Senior Bowl. I, I I loved what I saw from him. Somebody else too, who I actually really like. I haven't gotten a chance to see a ton of his tape just because it's so hard to find. But John Kaminsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him down to the Senior Bowl and really like really nice guy. And the other thing too is the fact that he's a hard worker and he's a gym rat too. Um, he talked about the fact that they basically had to tell him like, okay, you need to stay out of the gym now at this point. Cause he 
came in as a quarterback, obviously, I'm sure some, I'm sure the five, five, six or seven listeners uh, have probably <laughs> heard this before, but at the same time, um, he, he came in as a quarterback and basically he was there, he, their, their college, uh, Charleston was the only college that offered him. And basically when he walked in, they gave him a, they gave him a playbook and said, you're going to play defensive line. He weighed 215 pounds. And by <laughs> the, by the time they got to the combine, he weighed 285. And wow. yeah. And let me just tell you, he looks like Drago jr. Um, because <laughs> like, and the way that he was talking, everything like that, he talked about the fact that like, he knows that at Charleston, he was able to get away with just using his athleticism, but he's working on his technique so much more. Cause he knows that's what he has to do to get to the next step. And so he's somebody I would love to add on that defensive line as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kalen Saunders and then also another guy that I saw at the senior bowl, Dalen Mack. I, I, I love that dude as somebody who can be a backup to Larry Ogunjobi just because he's about like six foot, six one. So he's at lower center of gravity and the push that he was having from the interior. Um, he, he was mainly a nose tackle. So he's somebody I would like to add in just to have a rotational piece. But those are three of the guys that I I've been loving along this draft process. That's awesome, man. I, I really value uh, and think it's just great experience for you to uh, to have had that trip down to, to Mobile this year. Um, that's been on my bucket list of, of things to do. And um, yeah, we have, we'll have to wrap a little bit more about that at a, a different time. And, and I'd be happy to pick your brain and, and, and hear more about that. Were you able to talk to, uh, to, to Saunders at all while you were down there? I wasn't able to talk to Saunders. The only other one that I was able to talk to was uh, Andy Isabella for a little bit too. Nice. And and one quick thing too, uh, one quick note. So uh, for those of you who don't know, my trip down, I didn't fly. I took a bus down to Oof. Mobile and back. Yeah, it, it took a day. It took literally a day uh, to get down and back. And the funny thing was that that gave me time to go ahead and go through all the podcasts. So I was listening to you guys as I was uh, as I was on my way back up too. So. Um, yeah, I was one of the seven on that one. So yeah, don't, hey, don't, don't ever not listen to us. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where else people would listen to. I don't know what else they would listen to. No, that's awesome. Again, that's, that shows some commitment and, uh, I'm, I'm glad you had that experience. And let me ask you one more question before I go to John, were you able to clarify if Andy Isabella was really, um, running the 40 yard dash in the snow, like Lance Zierland said. <laughs> I wasn't able to confirm that. I wasn't able to confirm that. That was where, um, when, when I was with the bunch of reporters around him, that was where he first dropped the Randy Moss bomb uh, to everybody. And everybody started asking him questions left and right, where he was saying, yeah, you know, I, I've been training with Randy. So, you know, Randy, mm-hmm. he keeps me honest with a lot of that. And so all of a sudden everybody started losing their minds. But um, yeah, no, that was kind of, where that initial bombshell dropped with him. Interesting. Again, good, good insight as well. Again, there, I should say from, uh, from Mac Robinson. So John, <laughs> what about you, my man, defensive line? Again, you did some homework. Uh, talk to us about uh, the guys you looked at and maybe just in general, some of the, if there are other guys you're interested in, talk to us about those guys too. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, let me go ahead and talk a little bit of negative first. Uh, and it's a guy who I think is might be more in play now that we're talking about a second-round pick without number 17. It's uh, polite. You know, uh, the this is a guy that I loved, really, uh, coming into the combine. Uh, I thought he had a ton of potential. Yeah, me huge too. Huge producer. Yeah. 
um, when you watch his tape, uh, he, he seemed to have all the potential in the world. Comes to the combine, uh, has a couple of terrible interviews, uh, apparently, allegedly, fakes an injury when he wasn't getting good times on some of his measurements and bows out early. Um, it was kind of an all-around uh, terrible combine, uh, the likes of which I don't know that I've ever seen, to be honest, because his interviews, like the, the consistency of that was, what they found out was is he doesn't watch film of himself. And, right. and keep in mind, that this is a guy who, uh, anybody who really liked him, understood that he was a, a little bit raw and his potential was yet to be reached, right? So to have that kind of thing uh, revealed where he doesn't watch film of himself and he was a, a little bit prickly when teams started uh, poking at him about some of his weaknesses in his game, well, that's a terrible thing to uncover, you know, <laughs> because if you're not watching film of yourself and if you're a little defensive about your weaknesses in your game and you're a prospect who people are projecting at least a certain amount, um, well, then it's going to level off what your, uh, what your potential really is because it, obviously you, you just can't have that. It really kind of reminded me of um, – and I will butcher this name, but uh, he went to Arizona. Kamiche? Robert Kamiche? Yeah, mm. yes. That's who it reminded me of. A little bit of that, um, you know, where you just got like a, an interesting character who is going to be difficult to, to deal with. And I just, with, with what I heard, and you can, you can, throw, uh, you can throw things at me for, for making too much out of an interview, but... Let me tell you, like the, those things that I heard are just directly contrary to what you need from a player of his type. So for me, he dropped from a top 15 pick to a guy that is off my list. So I don't care if he's available at 49. Um, it's just not a guy that I'm interested in drafting. So it's really unfortunate for him. And, you know, fair enough. I could be making too big a deal out of it. But for me, um, I think he really, really killed his draft stock. Um, and I don't think I could blame any NFL team for taking them off their draft board for it. Uh, so that was the negative. <laughs> that, that, that is quite the slide because, I mean, he, if you look at his tape, he's got some really good film on tape. Obviously, he's got some opportunities, uh, some really elite production data as well. And to come in there and have an attitude problem per se and – not to be, uh, I guess, committed to studying film and getting better in that in that way. That's those are some major red flags. I don't know if it would drop somebody off my board per se with his talent, but it's definitely going to plummet him from the first, probably past the second round into more of the, the third or fourth round, where you're going to take a chance on a guy who has those you know production or uh, you know that production type of uh, you know traits. So right, it's a value proposition, and at a certain right. point it's going to be worth taking in and it's just uh, for each, it's just going to depend on your appetite for risk, I guess right. is how I would put it. Right? Hey, now, now you're talking cybersecurity. I like it. <laughs> so, so, so who else, John, what else, what other guys on, on your homework list did you like or not like talk to us about those guys? Well, Chase Winovich, right? Uh, Chase Winovich. Right. Uh, it's a guy who came in tested, I think better than most people thought. Um, you know, I guess it depends on what you thought coming in, but I thought he tested well. Um, I think he's a hustle guy on tape. Uh, I don't think he's like a superior athlete, but uh, I think it's a guy that's getting overlooked. 
to be honest. And uh, I don't know if he would make uh, my short list of guys that I would want with the Browns in the second round. But I do feel like where he will get selected somewhere in the second round has a good chance of being a steal. Um, I'll say that. You know, it might not be the best roster fit for the Browns, uh, but I think it's a guy that's getting underrated in a tough class. Um, you know, especially when you compare him to Rayshon Gary. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, mm. I expect Winovich to have a better career than Gary. So, and he'll be selected probably an entire round uh, difference uh, when it comes to this, um, comes to this class. So um, I think he's a guy that most people maybe should be a little higher on. Um, and maybe I'm doing a little too much comparing to his teammate, who I think people should be much lower on. But um, I really like what I saw from him. Uh, he, he had a lot of good stuff on tape. And, you know, maybe he's not the elite athlete that Rayshon Gary is, but I think he's the better football player. I don't know if you just heard that, but I was just etching that that take into stone over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fair just, enough. Just, Fair I'm enough. Hard time. I, I I don't necessarily disagree with you. I've looked at both of those guys, and I think Winovich is is getting slept on a, a little bit. Um, but we can get into that another time. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> anybody else on your homework list that you want to uh, give us a report for? I'll tell you what. Not necessarily on my homework list. So, um, but I I do want to mention a guy, and that's uh, Nelson. Mm. And uh, Anthony Nelson is a guy I that I guess. think is uh, an excellent choice and I think could be an excellent value for where he's at. I thought he, you know, size, uh, size and athleticism wise and production wise, he's a guy that uh, checks all the boxes in that regard. Um, and I think it's another guy that's getting slept on quite a bit who the Browns might even be able to grab with their third round pick. Now, probably have Saunders penciled in for that pick personally. And I, I think that's the, the case with this entire podcast here. <laughs> so I don't know that we'll really get a shot at Nelson, but uh, I do think that uh, Nelson is a guy that checks all the boxes and for some reason just isn't getting talked about enough. Man, I, I, it's, I'm a little overwhelmed. I mean, you, Mac, Pete, among others, I mean, Everybody is on the Colin Express, and, and I'm not going to say I'm mad about it. But it, hey, I mean, look, somebody has to be the conductor. It, hey. There we go. We had the same idea. Let's go. Let's go. I love. Now it. we just need to get you that hat, though. We just need to get the conductor hat. And just Ray Cowan on the hat on the hat for you. Wow, wow. Someone needs to do a, a, a an Amazon search and figure out where that's available for me. <laughs> we'll get that um, along with the the train horn too for you that's right yes. yeah we need that yeah. sound effect yeah if you don't have the horn i'm not i'm not doing it let's just let's just say that all right. um all right cool so let me let me just real real quick i'll, I'll uh if anyone is still listening I'll, I'll give you guys a rundown of some players that i i looked at and they're players that across the defensive line i think that we could probably get at round two round three round four and round five so i'm going to go in order um, the first guy that I actually looked at, I'm scratching off our uh, wish list per se, and that was Montez Sweat. I went, I went back and watched his film. Uh, I can definitely validate and confirm he's a first-round talent without a doubt. He's got some, some special stuff to his game. He definitely needs to work on his consistency with his hands because he does show some elite 
uh, hand usage, whether it's clubs, rips, uh, you know, pulls, all sorts of different stuff. He can do it. He's just not always consistent with it. Um, and I think he needs to definitely work on his lower half of his body for sure. He's, he's kind of, uh, kind of reminds me of like a Mingo ish. I mean, he, he's heavier than Mingo was, but he's got that slight frame that I want to see filled out. Uh, especially he's got a, a really powerful upper body, but he needs to work on that lower body. So just going through this really quickly. Um, so round two, and the only reason I put this guy round two is because there's rumors that he's coming off of a torn labrum and Jerry Tillery, if he's available for us would be an absolutely phenomenal pick in the second round. I think he is slept on as probably one of the better, if not the best, pass rushing interior defensive lineman. He's got potential to become uh, an every down guy, but as it stands right now, that's where he excels. And he, he does a really good job of, uh, again, getting off of blocks. He's got a combination of moves and counters, and his, his bottom half is extremely strong, which gives him a, a lot of leverage and a lot of ability to, to push tackles back and Again, if, if he can slip or if he does slip based on, again, based on his injury, um, he would be a guy that I would consider taking in round two. Um, now, round three, who in all honesty is probably going to end up going in round two, and I can't believe it because it's shattering my hopes and dreams, and that's Colin Saunders. Uh, I, I really wanted to value him as a day, you know, uh, as a late day two guy, maybe round three, but he may slip there, but it only takes one team to fall in love with everything he has, and I think someone's going to do it quite quite a bit earlier than the third round. Uh, There's still Dogby. Well, I'll get to Dogby. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, so Colin, I, I think two or three, he's a guy, uh, again, was part of my film study, my homework. Uh, he just does so many, uh, you know, things that you can't teach. He's got an electric first step. He's got silky smooth hips. He's able to, to move – laterally quickly uh, he's able to bend the corner you know bend the edge as a, as a five tech or play the nose he's just got so many different components to his game he's got the feet he's got his just amazingly quick feet and you know the, the man his his combine was phenomenal and you know he can do a backflip so at six foot 220 sorry 324 pounds he's an amazing athlete and his production numbers are off the chart so that's the guy I would target again round two round three um, moving along, we'll just skip to round four. And that's kind of where I see my boy, Michael Dogby coming in. Uh, he is, if you're looking for a guy who's long, uh, six, three, he's at about two ninety now, actually just, uh, had a phone call with him a couple days ago, just kind of shooting the shit, talking story. Um, he's really excited about his pro day. I, I feel he got snubbed at the combine. There's plenty of guys that he should have been there over, but obviously he didn't. It might work he, out for us, though. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, he he did tell me, and you know, he told me that the Browns definitely talked to him at the Shrine game, and he see he met he met with Highsmith, he met with some of the scouts. They knew him by name, asked him a bunch of questions, and most notably, I shared this with you guys, but they they kept asking him if he could get to 300, which led me to believe that the Browns are looking for long guys who are you know around 300 or more. So. Um, Dogby can do it. He's got an electric first step. He's got power behind that. He can translate that, that speed to power. You see him just literally push guys back two, three yards off the, off the get off. And, you know, being able to, to produce almost 40 pressures on the interior last year alone, uh, you know, really has illuminated uh, his potential, I think. And 
I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to listen to Emery Hunt's interview with him, but he's had a really interesting career. He got, he had an injury that he sustained. I think um, his junior year, he came in as a red shirt his freshman year. Uh, he was only asked to do very little um, his senior year Then his red shirt senior year. He was asked to do everything in, 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 in addition to being captain. So if you guys haven't checked that out, just a really good uh, insight as into Dogby. And then lastly, and not least is Max Crosby. Uh, this dude's market share data is out of this freaking world. It's it's stunning how, 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 yes, how good his market share data is. And I think he's a guy, given, again, the fact that he needs to add some weight and add some strength, it's going to take him at least a year to, to earn his wings and, and get up to, to full speed. I could see him maybe falling into that four or five round, really depending, again, on, on team's needs. But he's got a lot of natural ability. And he's got a, a, a good nose for the ball. He's always around the football. He's always hunting for the ball, whether it's, you know, punching the ball out. I think he had, uh, what was it, uh, four forced fumbles last year. Uh, he had uh, one block kick. He had an interception for a touchdown. So, again, coming from the five tech, this guy does just about everything you could want. Also could swing inside and play three tech a little bit. So just another player that really caught my eye for uh, for the Browns in this upcoming game. Yeah, I found him really validated by his scores at the Combine. Like that's, you know, there are some, you know, production data is production data, um, but you need uh, you need athleticism to go with it. And uh, he came in, and if it wasn't for uh, some of the other freaks at the Combine, he would have been the big story because he topped the charts in his Combine numbers. So he really kind of backed up the, the numbers and some of the film that you saw. So uh, I definitely think that's a great one. And to be perfectly honest, if, you know, if Saunders goes before you can grab him and you want to get, you know, both Dogby and him, I wouldn't hesitate to grab Dogby in the third and him in the fourth. I really wouldn't. I think that uh, you'd end up with uh, two excellent additions to your defensive line. Uh, he really did. Like uh, he surprised me, you know, there's a couple of guys that surprised me. Um, he's probably top of the list you know, uh, alongside Ben Burkirvin, who I really like. But, you know, uh, he just really substantiated the numbers that he put down uh, with what he did at the Combine. I think he's a real player. Yeah, if anything, the Combine forces you to go back and take a look, right? And sure. a lot of these guys force us to do that. Um, but he's not making you go back and look at a guy who didn't produce. That's the difference, right? Right. right. You know, like, so you have some guys that test out of this world that, uh, for whatever reason, you know, didn't show up uh, very much in the stat sheets. Uh, that's very different from a guy who, in Max Crosby, literally was the top producer, you know, market share wise across the board for defensive ends in, in college football. And then he right. comes in and tops the list in, in his testing. Now you really got to go back and look at him and say, you know, is there something I overlooked just because he's maybe a little shorter or, or something like that? Because uh, those two things married up pretty well. Indeed they did. It was like that scene in Ratatouille. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's one of my favorite animated movies. <laughs> Out of left field. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you can always, you can always count on me for that here on this Believe Land is Your Land podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Coming out of left field, Mike Krupka. <laughs> Bringing out Ratatouille. We're talking about a defensive lineman. <laughs> you'll never, you'll probably never forget about that. Now, see, that's how that works. 
Hey, speaking of something that else that we can't forget about for our listeners, um, last uh, last week on the show, we did promise that if uh, Odell Beckham came in, that all three of us, that meaning Josh, John, and I would would uh, would dye our beards. So I just want to bring that back to the attention of all seven listeners that uh, <laughs> you, can, you can look forward to seeing our, our Twitter pictures, whether those beards are, are short-lived for a couple hours or a couple minutes. Um, <laughs> they will be dyed blonde, and uh, <laughs> st- stay tuned for that in, in, in honor of Odell Beckham. So in honor of going full Doris, you're going to go full Antonio Brown with that and just go, instead of going like just the sash, it's the full beard. <laughs> you know what? I think that should be the caveat. We should only dye our beards, not our mustache, because we can't. <laughs> we don't want to be confused. <laughs> and we're shaving it off anyways. No it's idea not. what that will look like. We're so not it's, the anti- it's the anti-Tonio Brown, so yes. <laughs> instead of the Antonio. <laughs> right. We'll have to think of some clever name to call it, but yes, the anti-Antonio is, is right. Um, can I, I'll tell you what, can I, can I add a quick little segment here on, yeah. uh, on the back end? Um, we have no more, uh, for a lot of us Browns fans, we've had a lot of focus on the 17 pick. Um, now we're looking at the 49 pick. If I could add this little segment, um, let me ask, uh, what, how has your focus now shifted? Now, we only have minor players, I think, to add here or there to the Browns. You know, so I don't think that too much in free agency would shift our opinions. And we've had a couple of days to kind of digest this. How has your opinion sh- uh, shifted towards that 49 pick? And who are you looking at now, position-wise, you know, for that pick, you know, Mac, I would, I would push to you first. Um, for me, I think it's kind of shifted a bit, mainly because of the fact that, I mean, I, I've been kind of dabbling with uh, the draft network, their mock draft machine and everything else going on too. And then normally I'm looking at, Oh, the Christian Wilkins would be great or uh, Byron Murphy would be great uh, to bring in. But now at this point, it's almost like, I'm looking more at trades than I am. I'm looking more at spot track than I am at any other draft site uh, just because of looking at contracts. But at the same time, though, I think that when it comes to the draft strategy, I think that like what you guys said, you guys have, they have an opportunity to let these guys develop. Maybe take a player who isn't ready quite now, but you can go ahead and have somebody who's ready in the near future, almost like what they did with Austin Corbett last year. Um, you can go ahead and take somebody like a Tillery, kind of let him go in round two, or even take a Max Crosby a little bit later on. Um, and, and one thing I also wanted to make sure I added on to, I know you guys were talking about Ja'Kai Polite, and I heard the same things about the interviews and everything like that. But at the same time, uh, we got to remember too, there was a troubled Florida prospect coming out last year that the Browns didn't have taken out in the fourth round in Antonio Callaway, we might see something going along those lines a little bit later on too, when it comes to polite, but, um, but yeah, uh, I think it, for me, it's just been more of taking a long-term view. Uh, you don't necessarily have to put on all the expectations onto these rookies coming into day one and take somebody who might need a little bit of development, might need a little bit of that seasoning a little bit too. I'd say uh, needs more pepper, but, that's oh God! <laughs> Put a little pepper on it, and that just yeah. you know that just adds a little bit of salt with that a little bit. I know, and uh, this is a this is a Jabril Peppers uh, fan account, so yes, really sad to see him go. Uh, so is mine. <laughs> same. To answer your question, John, the the guy that keeps popping up for me 
in conjunction with uh, Coach Campen is Yadni Kajust. Um, if he could slip to us in that second round, I feel that's a good spot for us to take an offensive tackle, let him develop for a year, a la Corbett, like you said, Mac. Um, really put him, again, under the tutelage of Campen, who has done fantastic things in Green Bay with his offensive linemen, and, and let that guy develop. And then you say, okay, well, who's he replacing? Is he going to replace Robinson, or is he going to replace Hubbard? And, you know, if Robinson performs up to standard, great, right? Then we have options on the table. If not, then you've just, you know, developed your future left tackle. Um, so at 17, that guy catches my eye. Um, I, I'm also looking uh, at, a, at a cornerback there. I'm not really sure who necessarily, but uh, there's, you know, probably a handful of guys. I haven't really dove into the defensive back class thoroughly enough to, to say this with conviction, but I, you know, that, that dude from Penn State, I can't say his last name. Amani. <laughs> Just say Amani. Yeah, that's what I've kind of gone uh, with. Amani <laughs> That makes me sound like I'm wearing some designer clothing, and I, I won't do it. I won't, I won't do that. But, uh, yeah, Amanio, God, I can't believe I just said that. He's the guy that interests me there. Um, and, you know, I might even consider a, a safety who, who's a versatile enough to, to, to play multiple positions. But outside of that, those are really who I'm, who I'm focused on, unless a guy like Tillery is going to be sitting there. Yeah, you kind of uh... – Jump took some of my thunder on that cornerback position. Uh, that's definitely something that I'm focused on. First of all, 100% agree. Yanni Kajus would be fantastic. I think still in that spot. I've been a big proponent of of adding tackles. I think we, you know, in terms of what I was saying, as far as um, replacing as many contracts as we could before the Baker and uh, Garrett extensions, we need both tackles. I think neither of these guys are going to be guys that uh, we're going to have three years from now. Uh, so Yadni would be fantastic. Um, I like Amani. Um, I'm a big fan of love, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he, he didn't test fantastically, uh, but love uh, is an excellent, excellent corner. Awesome hips. Um, doesn't have the top end speed. And it's possible that his, um, his ceiling could be at, uh, at nickel although like in a i think he fits very well in a uh, cover three scheme if that's what we end up doing um you know but i love him either way like uh just an excellent excellent cornerback uh so that would be a guy that i would focus on as well um another guy uh you know it just would depend on how things broke i know that we have talked about trading um agba and that one of those ways that we could be trading him is in a move up. And uh, in terms of a guy that I might be willing to move up for, um, I just quickly mention, and you guys might disagree, but Adderley. I love Adderley. And if he just happened to kind of slip into a range where we could move up and grab him, um, I would absolutely do that. I think he's multiple. I think he's – got everything that you would want in uh you know a safety slash corner um and uh i would it would just be a case where he dropped further than he should which it happens every year right somebody slips a little farther than they should if that guy slips farther than they should that's a guy uh that i haven't mentioned a ton before but i would be willing to um move up and grab so you know uh love and Adderley are 
guys that I would keep an eye on beyond uh, Yannick Juiced and um, and our unpronounceable guy from Penn State. <laughs> yes, Arman- Armani. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dolce and Gabbana, whatever. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So closing thoughts. Um, obviously, we are at the precipice of uh, greatness right now uh, with this organization, something that I thought I would never say um, since I was established in 1981. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's amazing to me that our Super Bowl odds are 1 in 15, something else that I, I cannot believe is a reality. It also – makes me want to go back in time and jump in my DeLorean and <laughs> myself in the ass why I didn't put money down um, earlier when the odds weren't this favorable. And I also want to go back and kick myself for not going ahead and getting season tickets when I found out I came <laughs> back to Cleveland because now that hope and dream is gone. However, still lots, lots to look forward to uh, for this Browns organization outside of my own feelings. Um, closing thoughts, John. Well, I mean, first of all, I'd say that I'm glad that I was finally able to sell somebody on my idea of having the atomic dog defense. Yes. Right? <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been holding that back for years, waiting for the right team that would be uh, appropriate for that type of name. And uh, the thought of them playing atomic dog, uh, you know, after a sack uh, by Miles Garrett is about as good as it gets for me. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Yes, I am all in on that. And, and you know what, Mr. Highsmith, Mr. Baptiste, the full Dorse, if you're listening, you need, to con- you need to contact this man and you need to get that, uh, that taken care of inside the stadium. <laughs> now it's a great time to be a Browns fan. So, uh, you know, it's almost still hard for me to imagine, but I've got it in my head uh, that this is going to be the most special um, – Brown season since 1987, so uh, that's something to be to be ready for. That's something to to root for. That's something to look forward to. And for Browns fans that weren't around back then, which I really wasn't either, so uh, get ready, get ready for a different experience every Sunday because uh, it's really happening and uh, it's right and true to feel like we have an actual place in the postseason um roadmap because we do all right like it's not just we're going to get there having a goal of the of the super bowl is not absurd so just that statement alone is bigger than it sounds i think so i think you're absolutely right before i turn it over to mac i think if you're if you think baker mayfield is sitting back and saying i just want to win the division i think you're crazy number one and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just an exciting, exciting time. Mac, what about you, man? I, I mean, to take a little bit from what John was saying, the fact that, uh, you know, th- we, as fans, we were all kind of already in t- already this season since the return has been the most anticipated season coming up. And I didn't think that there could be much more to add to that. Now we're at a point where we're reaching just full-blown fever pitch. And, like, we're completely over the moon with this. I mean, John, you said since 1987, yeah, this is the most anticipated season of my life. Uh, so, I mean, this is absolutely insane uh, for me, at least, to be a part of it. And, I mean, closing thoughts for me, I, I, I really just want to fast forward to July and just hit training camp at this point. Let's do like, that thing. 
<laughs> like I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. And we're, we're two days. We're a day into the new league year and I already want it to be July. Which yeah. when has it ever been like that for the Browns? Like we're not <laughs> even thinking about the draft. We're like, right. let's cut off the draft and let's start the regular season right now. That's well, not familiar territory. Well, I want to say thank you to John Dorsey because now I'm going to be able to go and see Avengers Endgame and not have to worry about uh, what happened during night one. And then I'm going to be able to watch Game of Thrones on that Sunday and be fine. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think we're kind of like the kids at Christmas that just want to get the 24 days you know, out of the way and just get to Christmas, right? And that's what the season is. And usually it's the draft that's our Christmas. So um, I think – the way I'd articulate it is we've gone, and I think every season you get excited for football. I don't care if your team is the shittiest team or the best team, you get excited. But I think we've shift, shifted from, all right, there's a general excitement about this team to there's some hope about this team to there's legit optimism and legit expectations that are, are, are now a part of the reality of this Browns team that have never been before, you know, it's cliche to say, but Baker Mayfield walked in that door, and ever since he did, the whole organization has changed. The expectation is to win. And I think, again, you see that shift in the, the internal mentality within Berea from, yeah, we're excited, yeah, we're hopeful, yeah, we're optimistic, to we expect to win. So I think that's enough to carry us through the next couple months. Um, the draft is going to get us stoked. We'll come back on here and we'll talk to you guys uh, in more depth about some of the defensive line prospects and we'll break them down on video. Uh, you know, we'll jump on again here in the coming weeks, of course, to talk more of the uh, upcoming storylines as they develop and unfold. And uh, as always, guys, just thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, Mac, really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And uh, hopefully we can have you on again soon, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. As one of the seven people that uh, listen to the podcast, I'm really grateful to be on, guys. So uh, anytime you guys want me on, I'll come on, man. And you know what? If, if, if you are one of our listeners and you've made it this far and you don't follow Mac, uh, make sure you go ahead and do that. And Mac, why don't Absolutely. you plug your, uh, your, your Twitter handle for everybody? Uh, yeah, I am at Mac Robinson CLE. And that's MAC for those of you who don't know. So. <laughs> Right on. Awesome, Mac. Well, you've been a great guest, man. Look forward to having you on again. John, my man, as always, thank you for your time. Um, you know, enjoy the rest of your night, guys. And as we say in Hawaii, we'll see you later or, or who we hope. Go Browns. Go Browns.